Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Paula Price Show. It's AIT Ashley, and I tell you what, we are having quite a time in the kingdom of God here on the Paula Price Show. Last week, Dr. Price just blew us down with closing demonic portals. Ah, She's talked about opening prayer portals. She has taught about opening prayer portals. But last week, she went into the realm of closing demonic portals and really laid a foundation for that. Um, She laid down how to baptize a nation, immersing it uh, in new disciplines and, and breaking down discipleship and conversion, and how Paul could set up divine order because he was already in government. I think that's a powerful thing to think about and consider because the question is often in, in ministry moments here, so I'll talk to her too, like it's Friday night, midnight hour. You know, the question is always, why Paul? Why Paul? Why Paul? What made Paul so special and so different, especially <laughs> when he wasn't walking on the planet the same time Jesus was? Well, with him, at least he was off doing something else. Um, but with him. And when Dr. Price said that, that Paul could set up divine order because he was already in government, it made so many things click. Because we make our salvation about a personal experience, or as Prophet Tala broke down last night, we've taken it from a personal Jesus to a personalized Jesus. And then, so we eliminate the governmental factor, we eliminate the kingdom factor, and we bypass right to the heart. And the heart is kind of a piece of the plan, but setting up his government was key. And so she said, if you were comfortable with Satan and God, you were never converted to Jesus Christ. Also, a painful reality of realizing how the church has gotten this messed up and how we have brought in to the house of God his enemy, made him comfortable. Come on, have a seat. Sit down. We don't want to offend these devils. We don't want to offend the way they uh, demonstrate themselves in the body of Christ. We don't want to do any of those things. Just come on and have a seat and just don't do it because we have not taught that the kingdom, that God came for a kingdom and kingdom means government. So now they, they link together. They're not the same, but they certainly link together. You don't have a kingdom without government. You have chaos. And even when you have anarchists and people who raise up in insurrections, there is some sort of governmental order within the breaking away of the current government, which is how, no matter how hard these charismatic folk try and break away from structure and order, you end up with structure and order if you want to keep something going. Well, you know, numbers, volumes, and poll structure. Because without... When you get when your numbers increase, if those those theologies and philosophies are wonderful, when you only have a handful of people, hey, I drink you. I ha- see how it is when you reproduce after your own kind. You get lots of help, lots of standing. I'm thrilled. So are we on? 
Okay. So, Black Talk, let me finish that thought. Remember this numbers always impose structure. You have to have the people in rows, they've got to have an order, have to have a way for them to enter and exit. You have to have a way for them to interact with each other, behave freely. <laughs> so, numbers always impose order. Well, it's Thursday. I'm excited. I woke up today, Matt, I was on fire. In the morning. I was so excited that I was getting ready for my show yesterday. So <laughs> how excited I was. I had to stop myself. Holy Spirit said it's Wednesday. I said, because oh, I was ready. I was on. Now, what I was ready for, I can't tell you. You know, the last several shows, God has just taken over by his word. His son has decided, thank you for being my forerunner. I can take it from here. So that is what we've been doing. Everything that you've heard, unscripted, unplanned, whatever. There are times that God doesn't want me to over-prepare, as he calls it, because he knows I'm going in. By the time he has has a five-minute statement, I've got a seven-page book. But he's like, I need you. Sometimes I need you not to help me out that much. I'm enjoying my morning coffee. So you all can join me in coffee or tea or whatever, and please don't write me and tell me how bad coffee is for you because I am going to drink it. I like it. And please don't send me organic coffee because I've tried them all. None of them remind me of what I wake up for every morning on my mind. I have to get my cup in the morning. I'm set. And so if you want, let's have coffee together. It is 11 o'clock in Tulsa. This is family. We're family. We're past, aren't we? When you say we're family, we're past all of the formalities and carrying on. You know, I mean, we don't have to do, we are part of each other. We've been at this thing so long that we are part of each other. And you know what else? We are good for each other. You are very good for me. You have no idea. Sometimes I wish I could sit down with you and say, let me tell you how good you are to me. You, you're the leaders, the teachers, the five olders, the the apostles, the bishops, the pastors, the members, the elders, the, the ministers, the worshipers, the, all of you. You're good for me. You are very good for me because you have been so affirmative over the years that we've done this that I have grown strong and confident. You know, I started out, and Prophet Ashley could tell you, we started out with people telling us over and over again, this wasn't going to work. Nobody was going to do it. Who are we going to get to do it? How are you going to get to All of that. And you know what? Boom, boom, boom. They were wrong. But they were wrong because you saw the right. And I thank you. So, yeah, I do. I I brag about you. Yes, I do. And I'm not going to be ashamed of doing it. I brag about you. I boast on you all the time. I look at your your Facebook posts, and, and I think, oh, my God, I just love these people, your encouragement, your questions. Some of you all, you even kind of challenge me a little bit. But, you know, life is good. You grow through challenges. But we're family. And I'm going to keep saying that until I go home to be with the Lord. We are family. We are relatives. Now, I may not be your, your uh, you know, a damaged blood relative, but I know I'm your Christ blood relative. We are united in Jesus Christ. And we work because we all agree. We see him as he is. You know, the Bible tells us that we have to see Jesus as he is. Not as we wish him to be, hope he would become, would he just change a little bit, can I bend him here? I, no, we have to see him as he is, and then we must know him as he is. 
not know him based on the bad press, the, the, the disappointed people, and all of those things. We've got to know Jesus as he is. And you know what, folks? I do. Man, I do. I love this man. He is amazing. When, and the more you treat Jesus right, the more he reveals himself to you. You treat him bad, he just shuts the curtain, shuts the wall. Some of us got an iron curtain. You know, he just put it down. I don't even want any, any fragrance of you to come through. But when you treat him right, and the first thing we do, which is what Ashley was saying, is that we start by treating him as a king. We are so busy trying to, to just push Jesus Christ in this father mode, this savior mode, this pastor mode, that we don't realize that he's a sovereign. And this man's sovereignty is, a, I mean, it's astounding. I can see why people don't want to preach on it. It's scary. Do we really want to know that something that was born in our planet came up from our dirt, our dust, is actually the sovereign of creation? Do we really want to reconcile that? That's tough. That's tough stuff. But if you can get past that, because the reason is tough is ego. You know, what makes him better than me? As soon as you realize that he was not, he did not originate from the dust of this world. Neither did you, but that's a whole other class. But Jesus did not originate from the dust of this planet. Hallelujah. He reformatted himself with his father's spirit still in him as it has always been. He still reformatted himself as the ancient of days. He reformatted himself as the God of creation, as the God of all, of all spirits, as the God of the spirits of all creation. As a, he's the same God, which is why he can nail them when they were wrong, because his spirit never underwent a reformation. See, his form, his physiological form, went from being divinely formed to humanly formed. So his form changed. That's where people are stuck. Because you keep thinking, especially when you hear people say, well, you know, Jesus was, and he was, he has always been. He said, I am who is and who was and who is to come. He's like, he never lost sight of his otherworldly life and existence. And, you, and in no passage do you see that more prominently than John's gospel, 17th chapter. Now, he said it, John himself, what did he say? John, John writes, I am from above, you are from beneath. What? what? Above what? He says, I am not of this world. You are, where do you think all of those sci-fi movies got that from? They got them from spoofing off of the word of God. They're not, they're, trust me, those are literal, literal testimonies of Jesus Christ spoofed into spectacular epics, because those epic statements came from him. I am from above. You are from beneath. I am not of this world. You are this world. Why do you seek to kill me? Is it because you can't understand what I say? You seek to slaughter me because you can't understand my words? I am born from above. He who is going to pass from death to life must be born again from my above material. Oh, I got it. I have to move this because, you know, I'm going to be slamming stuff. I got to get my bell going. Oh, yeah. Need that. See, when you are filled with all the fullness of God, he can talk 
his life to you. He can talk his history to you. He can tell you not only about yourself, but himself. And he can make himself very clear and very understandable. I absolutely love John's gospel. I can play it and listen to it over and over again. Now, you know, many commentaries get caught up in Jesus' conflict. But there are things that Jesus Christ revealed to John, to the apostle John, that the others did not get. They got him according to his earthly mission. John got him from his eternal inception. So John knew not only that he had the title son of God, John was able to explain how he became the son of God. What made him the son of God? And then why and how the Son of God, who has been forever, hallelujah, became flesh. Why would he come and reformat himself in that which had been already uh, decreed by God to be cursed and gripped under the law of sin and death? Oh, somebody on top of top. You know, I love this man, so I could talk about him all day long. He's my sugar. He's my honey. And you know why he tells me stuff? Because I listen. I don't sit in his presence telling him what everybody else say. I don't contradict him. And I don't countermand him. I just sit and listen like a fascinated fan. I am a Jesus groupie. I am a fan. I'm telling you, I am his cheerleader. Yes, I am. And I'm going to be that forever. Amen. I have been with this man since 1982, every day. And we have only one day he didn't talk to me. And you best believe we worked through that. So I take God as he is. Because we, we look at Hebrews 11. Somebody's asking God questions about how to do this and how to get this. So I'm giving you just, these are just my tidbits. I couldn't possibly lay them all out. But I said today, let's just talk about the kid. Let's talk about the man who gave his life for me. Let's talk about the man who said the hairs on my hair had a number. We always say, we quote that scripture, but we don't go on to say, and he knows the number. We, as the greatest computer, would still have a difficult time being 100% accurate about the hair that's on my head because Jesus knows the number of hairs that are on my head any second, and he knows the one that are going to fall out any second. So his number is always accurate. He said you can't turn one head white or black, and trust me, we, we, we may dye it, but you know what? <laughs> we change the color of the hair every single time we color it. This man knows us that intimately and how he does it. I was visiting with him this week. I was like, oh, man, Jesus, you are so amazing. I actually wanted to lay down and take a nap and still wanted to stay away and look at the, the, the man is astounding. I understand why Lucifer had a problem because his maker was just too awesome. And he could not tolerate the awesomeness of this man and all of the dignities that came with Jesus being the first begotten son. You know, Proverbs 8 says that the Lord possessed me, Lady Wisdom, at the beginning of his ways before any of his works of old. And Jesus is older than that. I was writing, because, you know, I'm doing these classes for my, uh, my, uh, Apostles Master's Program. So in writing this, one of the classes that I'm writing, the Lord took me through Colossians. Do you realize that Colossians says Jesus Christ is the firstborn of all creation? So because you want to know, 
How did he become the first begotten? He's the firstborn over all creation. And as a result, his father put him to work. Some of y'all fathers just let your children hang out and play. Not God. God's like, my son is going to be great. So I'm going to let him work with me, work alongside me, and be part of what I do. So Jesus becomes co-creator. So it says he's the firstborn from the dead, I mean, of all creation. He's the firstborn over the church, over the ecclesia. And that's not the congregation. That is the species called new creation. Oh, hey. Because, uh, see, church wasn't always defined by building. As a matter of fact, in the beginning, church, churches were defined by human vessels. The vessel where the Holy Ghost dwells was the church. Each person then was in and of himself a congregation. And joining them all together gave us the Holy Ghost habitation. So he's the firstborn over the called out one, the ecclesia or the species of new creation. See, we are a species, baby. We're not a religion. We are a species. Oh, I got it. You know what? I don't know what I'm going to do with myself today. You know, I have three days with the Holy Ghost. You know what that does? You just lose your mind. And I have, please, loving on this man. Yes, I have. So, and then he becomes the firstborn from the dead. So that in all things, says Paul in Colossians 1, he will have the preeminence. No creature God made can take preeminence over all of the, that happens and all that is coming to existence except Jesus Christ. Firstborn over all creation. That is a powerful begotten. Firstborn. And then he's the firstborn because Adam is a part of creation, but he's the firstborn over humanity. And then he's the firstborn. You're following me? You want to go tell somebody she's on fire today. Send them some fires and some bombs and some sparks and stuff. Come on, so that you, everybody can share this. This is going to tell you how, not only how good God is, but I am a brand. I'm the Holy Ghost brand of Jesus Christ. I'm the model. Now, am I the only one? No, but I'm the one that's on the camera today. So I'm going to talk about me. I am the brand that God has in mind when he says, let us make man. And then when he says that he who believeth on me will pass from death to life. I passed through mortality because Jesus came through mortality. You realize that the only reason that they could kill him is because he was born of the earth that was cursed. And the thing that made him, so that already killed him. That killed the divides out of him, you know, made him mortal. And you have to know this about your Savior because you need to know why he's worth fighting for. You need to know why his story is so different from all of the other, quote, unquote, gods. And why he managed to pull off what none of us could do in thousands and thousands of years. They couldn't do it. They could not take the world under their own name singularly. This man, hey, Jesus, oh, mm, sugar pie, Jesus. I told you, I'm crazy to death. I woke up. I said I knew it was going to go there, and I'm having a blast gearing up. I'm just revving up right now. I don't even know what's going to happen. 
And I hit the bell. I slapped the thing. I did everything to drink some coffee. Maybe I'll drink some coffee. I can pull this back in. But I'm having a blast. And you know why? Because this man is amazing. I am honored. I am. And you know what I like about it? Jesus can talk to me. God talk. See, you all have, y'all got to get past human talk. Y'all, first of all, we got to get past devil talk. Because devil talk is what trained us from exiting the womb. Psalm 58.3 says, from the time we leave the womb, we go astray, cursing, and et cetera. So we, we have to get past that. Some of you all are like, i got deep revelation. No, you cuss too much. You can't have a revelation because bitter water and sweet water can't come out of the same well. So either you you talking for Jesus or you talking for Satan. Now, just because you are making statements that can be attributed to the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't mean you're speaking for him. So that can't happen because God speaks a certain way. And when he decides to curse, you better know something's going to die. Think about that fig tree. He cursed that fig tree. God can't curse because everything's going to die because he cursed the earth. He said, earth is the ground for your sake. And we still try to live from the ground. Ground killing us and trying to keep us alive. The thing is dual. There's a duality there. It's, it's nourishing us and killing us, nourishing us and killing us. And it's nourishing us because it's not just nourishing the life in us, but it's nourishing the death in us, which is why we get old, get sick, et cetera. So if God cursed the way saints cursed, help me somebody. Let me get a little sip of something. Y'all probably want me to sip something right about now, don't you? Come on, let's sit. We sipping together. I'm on fire. I love this man. Oh, my God, I love him so much. It, you know, I used to be very shy because I listen to people say, well, you know, you don't want folks to feel bad. Then don't sit with me. I'm okay. I can sit, sit with him all day long. I'm all right. We don't have to hang out. Now, I would love to because I'd love to share the greatest thing that we ever had, but recognize that your displeasure with God will not eclipse or overshadow in any way my absolute joy and my absolute pride in him. I love him. I'm so proud of him. I don't know what to do. Paul said, I boast in him. Yes, I do. I'm going to talk about him all day long. He's a honey man. Now, I can be in situations I can find some composure. I can find a little decorum so that we can be sociable. I can do all of those things and have, and have no problem with it. But if we're talking about sociability, if we're talking about bringing God to the table, mine is coming in because I'm packing mine. And he coming big. Now, but if we're, all, if we're putting all of our gods away and we're just going to go human secularist, okay, I can do that for a minute, for a short minute. But I love knowing that I am filled with all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily and that when I move, he moves. When I lift my arm, he lifts his arm because we are one. I am not embarrassed about that. Talk about not being ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of his offer. So I, I can't be ashamed of the gospel because I'm too proud of the offer. Love this man. Yes, I am. Can I have fun with you all again? Are you all okay? Because I just don't have a, I'm not doing a theological, I'm just talking about loving on the man named Jesus Christ. Apostles are supposed to be the ones that make you fall in love with Jesus Christ. They brought his love to the world. And I didn't say Cupid, I said Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. Woo! Oh, I had to get good. That kind of fire is running through my arms. Man, I tell you what, if this was a church service, I'd be laying hands on everybody. All y'all be laid out. Because some of y'all laid out right now. But the people behind the camera. 
and Jesus' blood is the blood of creator. Yo, are you working with me? For some of you all, you're still buying that lie because you're looking at those preachers who have already gotten Satan's paycheck and cashed it. See, when you cash his money, you're going to have to look like him. You're going to have to do what he does because when you come into Jesus Christ, you have to look like him. Forsaken all. The Bible says in Christ, you are supposed to forsake all, not embrace all. See, that's those are Eastern religions. You embrace everything. That's Unitarianism. You embrace everything. But I just happen to think there's all ways to get out. How many ways to get inside your body? How many, how many other people's body can they go through to get into yours? They can go one way. Your body is yours. Nobody can eat and make you fat or satisfied. Nobody can poop for you. Nobody can urinate for you. Nobody can do any of those things. You, that's the that's whole shit. Because salvation is a person. It's not a principle. And we treat it as a principle. We treat it as a theology. It is not. Salvation is a person. The man, Christ Jesus. Man, I love, ooh, Jesus, I got to, oh, I got to run something. Help me, God, am I going to get through this? I don't even know, guys. I don't know. I don't know. He's burning me up like fire. Baby, it's running out the bones. It's not shut up. The man is, woo, you understand that the next time you talk to me about all roads to salvation, I'm going to ask you how many ways to get food in your, in your body. Because even if you're eating intravenously, you still have to come in your body. You can starve yourself all day long. 500 people can sit around you and eat, but you can starve yourself. And you know what? Nobody can fix that but you. One way to get you healthy again. One way to touch your body. Is that good stuff? I do. I just I'm gonna get me one. Well, that's, oh, yeah, I don't have one of those here. Woo! Bump, bump, bump. That's all right. I got a sound effect somewhere. Woo! Don't give Ashley the idea. She doesn't need any more. So I want you to understand the whole thing about God is being in Him. See, people are around Jesus, and you're around Jesus' people sometimes. Because sometimes they're not really Jesus' people, and they're not the Jesus you're looking for. Because, see, we keep forgetting that Jesus said he would have a lot of imposters. The true born-again saint can spot the imposter. And you know why? Because the imposter is not matching up with the Christ in them. Christ in you and you in him. And I'm telling you, I enjoy my time with Jesus. I, when, I mean, he wants to talk. He wants to talk about his history. He wants to talk about his experiences. We are so full of healing. Humanist theology, because you didn't know what it was. Humanist theology just forgets Jesus. And it sympathizes with your plight instead of this triumph. So your plight keeps you depressed. Because it's all about you. And, and you have all of these humans who can identify with your failure with your sickness, with your suffering, and not have a solution. All they can do is sympathize with you. So I, I know, I feel it too. Yeah, because all you need to do is, let me tell you something, there are times that you do need that. So I don't, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, I do not mock or ridicule that. But, but 
in order to get out of your mess, you have to stop sympathizing with the people who are suffering with you, commiserating, commiserating with people. Misery loves company, so Satan will always send you people who are as miserable as you are so that you can agree, and he doesn't have to flee. Mm. What a good Jesus. Isn't he a honey? But Jesus sympathized, he empathized, and then he pulverized. He pulverized all of those forces that were keeping you bound. I'm, I, I, we're doing a teaching and just really talking about the hard reset. And did you know, I'm talking to Jesus because, you know, he's a honey. And so we, I'm going to keep saying that because he is my honey. So if you all have problems with that, I don't know what to tell you. Whatever he is to you, let him be there. To me, he's a honey. He's a sugar. He's a sugar pie man. He's a honey man. You know why? Because he's sweeter than a honeycomb. Because he's the all-wise God. And because up close and personal, the man's sweetness overtakes you. And that's how he changes us. He said, just come close to me. I'll deal with your hatred issue. Come close to me. I'll deal with your bitterness. Come close to me. He said, because I'll absorb it and give you something better in return. So I stayed with him, and I got the better. And my bitter left, and my better came. She said, I threw that out. But God said to me, he said, Paula, since we're talking about this hard reset, and I'm getting ready to make a really hard reset, you know, the Bible is full of hard resets. You probably didn't even pay attention to them. I know I never did, but it is full of hard resets. The flood was a hard reset. Antediluvian, hard reset. When we got, now the flood was hard. That was hard. You thought, can God do anything else harder than that? Yeah. Abraham, hard reset. Moses, Egypt, hard reset. Saul, David, hard reset. Incarnation of Jesus Christ, annihilating reset. He said, now is the prince of this world judged. Now is the prince of this world cast out. Hard reset. And you'll just have to wait for my teachings for me to elaborate on that. Jesus Christ, hard reset. Twelve apostles, more than a hard reset. Twelve apostles, B.C. deities, shut down, cut out, A.D., and your dominate the year of the Lord. Hard reset. Why do you think they keep trying to change the calendar? They're trying to expunge all that Jesus did because they... That A.D. means Jesus took over the world. And I'm telling you, people, he's not letting it go. I know it looks like it because the media keeps pushing illusions and puff of smoke and paper dragons in your face. But I'm telling you, Jesus said, I'm not done yet. I am not finished with America yet. It still has a few more things to give me, to deliver to me, and I am not letting America off the hook. I don't care what I need to do with her numbers, what I need to do with her institutions, what I need to do with her, her government. I don't care what. I am the Lord your God. America did not exist as the United States of America until I took over. I sent my people here. I did not send anybody here, but my folks that set it up. You can talk about it all day long. I don't care. He said, I am so not done with the United States of America. 
I am not giving it over to a devil. I don't care what pagans think. I don't care about anything. You say, you don't say this a lot of them. My Bible says when sin abounds, then grace shall abound much more. God left everything grow, so when he takes it out, it's all gone. He doesn't have any residuals, and then he left behind. I'm telling you, the man that said, I am moving, and you all better understand. I don't care what God you painted on your body. I don't care which one you put in your stomach. I don't care which one you covered in your hair. I don't care. I'm telling you, the God of the United States of America is saying, I'm taking it back. I don't care what they, t- I don't care about your, your, your technology. So let me tell you something. Y'all still need his son and his energy for your technology. Oh, well, we got lithium batteries that'll last. Yeah, last long as he wants them to last. Because this is his planet. And he knows its secrets, its hiding places, its strengths, and its weaknesses. And its greatest strength is the God that begot it. I don't care what anybody says. I'm telling you. And I, the reason I'm saying this is because over the last three days, he's saying, they got to be kidding. What? I'm just trying to let it all show up so I can get rid of it. So that, And he needs some things documented for the future. See, a lot of this is documentation for the future. Because when people ask what happened to and why did this happen, we have documentation. The Bible is documentation that God did what he said that God put that word in the prophets, made them write it down, oh, hallelujah. So you understand that the earth was without form and void when he started replenishing it. And then Satan was in a serpent in a tree, trying to get a new life. Because God came to the planet that was without form, that was formless, void, and full of darkness. Darkness being him and his cronies who lost their bid for power in heaven. The story, I don't know. So you all been listening to Satan's side of the story so much, and the way we tell it, we only tell you about the three and a half years of Jesus Christ. That's all we're going to tell you, because we don't know the rest. We don't even want to know that there was a time that war was in heaven, because we want to think heaven never had a war. I kind of like that war was in heaven, and that the Creator beat his adversaries and beat his foes, and then put them out and banish them. And I'd love to know how, they did, how he did that super electronically because they don't have mortal steel bars and gates. Not, no, they don't have that. Not like that. They run on pure energy, sheer energy, the energy that is in the Godhead. Now, that story is a better story. But the only story we can tell about Jesus Christ is the cross, and we've been telling it for 2,000-plus years, and people are like, wow, this is great, and you should keep telling it. Please don't stop. But people need to know why the cross was necessary, and they need to know what happened behind the scenes of the cross, behind the visuals. Because we have, God gave us all the visuals that he wanted us to have while he, behind the scenes, took care of some cosmic stuff and some celestial stuff and some eternal stuff, divine stuff, that only they understood. We just get a simple statement in Ephesians 3.10. Y'all want with me today? Simple statement in Ephesians 3.10. That the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. People just, that's one of those, I, I like how Chief Prophet said, that's one of them skip over. We just skip over that. Well, that's a skip over. Lulu, skip to my loop. I don't know what to do with you. 
coffee? You, ever, you know coffee changed a little bit. So that's about it. And then we have another one. He spoiled principalities and powers, making a show of them openly. Skip the loop. Skip the loop. And we treat those as, you know how we, we treat them like, um, like a Hollywood movie. They got the, the star is, is in the tight place, a, a physically, scientifically impossible place. And you see him hanging from a limb with a fingernail. That last fingernail is about to break. Cut to commercial. Come back, he's walking down the street. Skip over. They didn't even bother trying to get make common sense out of it. They just want you to know by some means that we could not come up with an explanation for, he got hurt. See, so Ephesians 3.10, Colossians, all of those passages that talk about the principalities and the powers and how God's spiritual forces were involved in this, we just skip over them. We just skip over the fact that somehow or another, God cut a deal with those principalities and powers in the heavenly places to, for them to wait and see what he's done. But because of that deal, he pulled it off, and they get to see he was right. Principalities and powers goes with the prince of this world comes, and he has nothing in it. Now it's the prince of this world cast out. Think about it, because you have got to recognize that throughout this Bible that you don't want to read and that people have rewritten and modified it for human terms, you know, the scriptures have been adapted for human consumption instead of divine communication. So you're reading the human consumption version of the Bible where humans inside, this is humanity is all you need to know about. No, baby, you need to know about his deity because I'm going to tell you some humanity dies. And if Jesus was, is not God, you have no hope. So you need to get off those human consumption Bibles. And you need to get into the divine, authorized divine communications that God sent to the planet through his offering mantles, namely apostles and prophets. Hmm. Don't you just love him? He's a honey man. Now you know he's a honey man. Get something. Get your cloth. Come on. All of you all need to get a slack cloth. I don't know why you don't have one. Because let me tell you, sometimes even when you read your Bible, you might want to reach up and go, Oh, Jesus, that's good. Okay. Might need to get yourself a slap cloth. I started the slap cloth because I did I started hitting with my hand and it was hurt. So I thought I gotta get something that can stand the pain. I got a slap cloth. So Jesus Christ, pre-carnate life is what you need to know to appreciate his three-and-a-half-year incarnated life. So his pre-carnated life or pre-carnate life is what answers the questions of the three-and-a-half years, which is what I do in my book, Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum. That is an amazing book. I read it and I get explosions. Oh, man, I wrote it. You all need to get that book, Before the Garden, God's eternal continuum. Now, when you get it, do not let the devils who are terrified of you exposing them or find, finding them exposed, don't let them tell you it's too thick or whatever. You got the mind of Christ. 
If your mind can't take it, let his mind read it to you. That's what I do. When I can't get it, I just say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to need you to read this to me because you know, I ain't, uh, I'm not getting it, God. Stop just putting it down because there's, there's power in there for you. There are answers that will set your soul free. There's wisdom. All of you cerebral souls, it's the perfect cerebral book that doesn't compromise Christ. It's written by an apostle, the offering mantle of Scripture, particularly the New Testament. You need to get that book because you need to start reading it. If you have a Bible study, then you need to get that book and read it because it is a perfect companion to your scripture because it's full of scripture. So it's going to drive you back to the Bible and answer those questions. You realize that you are walking around with questions about Jesus Christ that the scripture has answered before they became a question. When they were a contemporary issue, scripture answered it. Get it today and read it. And if you can't read it by yourself, then get a book circle and you all read it together. And then go to the, do not skip over the scriptures. It's not a skip over book. Go through the passages and see how that revelation came. It is a powerful book. You need it. And it is a major. I can say this because I know how I got it. I know my time in heaven. I know my trips with the Holy Ghost. I know my, the words and my classes with Jesus Christ. So that was not written. And that's one of the reasons why the devil doesn't want you to get it because it wasn't written from this humanist perspective. It's written entirely from God's perspective. Before the garden gives you God's memoirs. What did he live that made him do what he did? What was he living with? What was he suffering from? He kept talking about he suffered long. We're like, you're almighty. How can you suffer? Well, you need to find out before the garden will tell you how God suffers. He suffers hard. He said, I suffered long with you all. And you don't know that. But if you don't get up close and personal, he can't do it. When you start reading that book, heaven opens to you if you read it without the blinders of this world and your pet theology. It is a a first-class, gold-standard apostle's theology. It is. it, it, It literally encompasses the totality of what Luke understood to be apostles' doctrine. Your answers are there. It's a perfect textbook for your clients. It's a perfect textbook if you want to take people from general Bible to apostolic prophetic theology. It is a perfect textbook. But you have got to recognize that it is the answer that is going to push back on this empire of unbelief, this empire of darkness. It's going to do that. You need this book. All of you are. Every pastor, every five-folder, every sermonizer, every pulpitter, all of you, every, every member of the body of Christ, you need it. You can't even ask intelligent questions. What I like about Before the Garden is that it gives you the intelligent answers to questions that have been devastating the body of Christ. So you wonder where I get the strength from. First of all, I got the strength from just taking this man at his word. How do you get this revelation? I don't tell God it isn't revelatory. You know, we like to say, oh, yeah, but that ain't uh uh-uh. And then you want to run down the whole list of opposers and adversaries, and you want to tell God that he's got to match up with mortals, that he's got to compete and rival with mortals, minds that he's keeping going, that he can pull the plug on in a minute, and they'll call it Alzheimer's. 
you really don't think God is God. I do. I think he's amazing. I think he's awesome. But I think that his answer, because his stuff was predating this time, then he's got to be considered right. You think Lincoln is right because he predates our time. You think George Washington is right because he predates our time. You think the framers of the Constitution are right because they predate our time. You think Hammurabi is right because he predates our time. You think the Egyptian government that ruled the world once is right. That's why you're trying to revive it, because they predate our time. And God predated all of that. And he's got to answer to He's not doing that. He's not. Trust me. The side of the Holy Ghost that amazes me the most is when he behaves like us. I'm done with this. Wait a minute, hold on. Well, God didn't say he's done with this. I don't know. He said it to Moses. He said, Moses, step over here because I'm going to tell all of them. And I'm going to start all over again with you because I'm sick of them. Didn't he say that? That would have been the second time because he already did with the flood. He said, the end of all things has come before me. Wait a minute, Jesus, when did that happen? Bible, but you don't know that. And you, if you have a difficult time reading the Bible, then get before the garden because it's going to make the Bible make sense and more fun. Now, it does not operate on those unauthorized versions and texts of Scripture. It won't operate. Now, you're not going to get that. that To me, I call them falsified records. So you're not going to get the falsified records. See, that's not going to happen. And, but there is a way that God speaks to his offering mantles. There's a way that he opens up their understanding. He makes it make sense. He did it with Paul. Our model is Paul. Our model is Moses. Moses went up there, stayed up there, went up to the top of the mountain twice. Came back with two tablets, ten commandments, or the Decalogue, or the ten things, and we act like that's all they got. He didn't need to stay there that long to get two tablets. He obviously came back with a lot more. And what he came back with was embodied in him. How about that? Is that good? I like that. The sound effects are really great. They helped me. I don't know if they do for you, but anyhow, they helped me. So Moses goes up to the mount of God twice, stays there for 40 days twice. So he spends 80 days in God's literal presence, looking at all of God's technologies, all of God's records, going through all of his blueprints, all of his schematics, all of his architectural plans for the nation that he's going to build, and he's got them locked in what? Two tablets, guys. I'm telling you, I love doing this. I'm, I can do this. I told God, I think I can do this every day now. I just am loving this teaching thing because I've broken the seal on this, and he broke it in me. So he broke it in me, and I'm like Moses. It's in me. That is why you cannot be and call yourself an officer if all you're running on a gift because the gift is always your natural talent filling you up. Office is the entire dispensation that fills you up. Oh, uh, uh, uh. are you all excited? Are they excited with me? Are you all excited with me? This is powerful stuff, powerful stuff. I know it because I'm sitting here right now. I want to leap. I want to jump. I want to run around. I want to stand up. I want to lay hands on people. I want to cast out devils. I don't know what I want to do, but it seems like this kind of power ought to be put to use. (laughs) I love my camera folks. Because you have got to understand in every conceivable way 
that when God, if you let God get finished with you, it's not a head trip. And many of us are running on a head trip. You know, our theologies, our church doctrines, all of that, we can recite them, we can recall them, we can even kind of rework them in our brain. But Moses came down with something. And it wasn't just those tablets. God, I got to drink some coffee. Come on, guys, let's get a sip. We all need a sip right now. Are they on fire with me? So we here to tell you the difference between the authoring mantles of scripture and commentaries and commentators is this. The commentator will tell you that Moses had only 10 sayings and we, we broke them into 601 laws because Moses was that rebellious against God. And it was that presumptuous, right? And we taught that. Theology schools taught it. The Bible schools taught it. I remember coming into God thinking, wow, that was something. And, and so and God let me stay there in that place for two decades. And then one day he woke up, he said, if Moses, my servant, was submissive enough to do what I said, put his life on the line, leave his wife and lose his wife and his children, and put up with all of that, do you think that he would sit down and fabricate, concoct 601 ways to build my nation and take credit for it? He said, the problem is they only think about what Moses came back with visually, five senses. He said, but I sent Moses back as a complete embodiment of my world in flesh. I put the totality. That is why he had the law of the priest, the law of the tithe, the law of the, the offering, the law of the sacrifice, the law of the temple, the design for the temple. Nothing in, nobody, how is he going to get that without God? So no, see, but the commentator is not dealing with God. The commentator is dealing with science, theology, a study of. See, they're dealing with the study of, and there's some good stuff in it. The apostle is dealing with the dispensation that impacted Moses' being. Because God gave Moses an entire dispensation, and some of them have written it. So he did not come back with a theology. Theology grew out of what he came back with. Doctrine grew out of that. The law of the priest. How did he know that? Because God allowed him to see the Melchizedek priesthood in action on that mountain. <laughs> Are you all having fun yet? Because I'm having a blast. So you sit down and you, you all sit in those churches and the pastor said, yeah, because God is not about law. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? When you read what Moses came back, it's the law of this and the law of that and the law of this and the law of that. Why? Because it had to be legislated for humanity because it wasn't innate to its existence. In God's world, it is not a law. It is pleasing. Because everybody is scripted, built with that in their, 
in their physiological self or, or, or incorporeal self. They're all in it. That's what he said. I will write my laws in their hearts and in their minds. He doesn't have to do that in his world. In his world, he didn't have to write a law or whatever. He literally built them to be his good pleasure. Oh. That got me. <laughs> that was good all by itself. See, he's got to legislate his good pleasure in us because we're born under the law of sin and death. That is what being conformable to his death means. That is what's being converted to his way of life. In God's world, there is no law because there's law. There are no lawless. There are no law, everything lawless in this world he got rid of, which is why we are wrestling with it. Jesus. Jesus. So in his world, no, you're right. He doesn't need a law because he doesn't have lawless citizens. He doesn't have contrary views. He doesn't have people who would just as soon go opposite him. He did watch and got rid of it. So what he did for Moses on that mountain is he took the life-giving, life-preserving, not even just like that, but life-preserving elements and clauses of his physiological self, and he articulated them in words, in language, in speech. And he articulated them in ways that would literally write themselves in Moses' soul, and move from his soul to his brain. He did that. That's how he did it. So for God, he doesn't have to tell an angel how to take care of him. Angels already know. Gabriel, come there to tell Zechariah, hey, you and your wife, you're going to have a kid. You know, you've been praying about a child for like 30, 40 years, but we finally got around to it. And the time of your child is come. So I've come to tell you, you're going to have a son. Your wife, Elizabeth, in her old age is going to have a son because it's part of the continuum. It's part of the plan. You have a son. Get excited. You're a high priest. You hear offering up offerings and, and prayers. So surely this should land well with you. Well, folks, it didn't. It didn't land well with him because his curiosity, he's like, first of all, he's like most people, do I want to have a late-in-life kid? That's a big deal. You know, we can't hold too much against Zacharias. He's like, are you kidding me? And we've given up on it. And so he says to the angel, well, you know, how's that going to be? Well, the angel is like, are you kidding? Your words are going out as death as doomers to the word of God. This, your word, your challenge, your unbelief is going after the word of life that I was sent from eternity from God's very throne to tell you. And if I let you keep talking, you're going to kill the embryo we brought from heaven to earth to put in her womb. Oh. So I'm going to make you mute. Because in our world, we don't challenge God like that. We are the embodiment of his sentiment. We are the literal, literal physiological substance of his desire, pleasure, his will, and his design. So, uh, Zechariah, so you don't go home and tell everybody on the way home how this angel showed up and, and told you something that was so spectacular, like how's that going to do that? And you start running down all of the reasons why the world can't, work can't happen because you're old, your wife's old, you're waited late, after, finally at the end of your life, you're a high priest. You're standing here praying for high praise, 
our miracles. You're the high priest talking about how can I do this? So Gabriel was like, you will not affect my God. And you will not nullify his plan. Because, see, based on what I just said to you, your wife has got to be pregnant with the guy that's going to forerun the coming of the Lord. So I can't let you open your mouth. Sometimes you don't know why God is doing weird. But you need to understand that there's a sequence. And Zachariah didn't know the sequence. In God's world, they don't have this. Jesus has one world in this solar system and probably many others that he allows to talk back to him, that he allows to resist him, that he allows to disparage him. And he had to write permission to do that in his gospels. Because if he didn't, his forces were going to take us out. Because they fight for their king. They fight for their sovereign and they fight for their maker. Prophet AIT. Sure. There should be another prophet spinning around the corner soon. That is funny too. Yeah. Did you all like it? Lord have mercy. Long. Have mercy on us, Jesus. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Quite animated, actually. We'll enjoy going back and seeing all the fire. I like it because I'm on fire. Can you see the flames on me? My goodness. I'm sitting here thinking, Jesus, this funny man of ours. Understand, Earth is the only planet that God permits to rebel against them, and that is because it was a prison before it became a world. We have a good God. You hang with me, you're going to love him better. I'll say it like this, you'll love him sweeter, treat him better, and serve him harder. Can we say no one? That I may know him? (laughs) By the knowledge of the Son of God. You, have, you cannot grow in God. You can't change or convert, convert without the knowledge of the Son of God. And let me tell you something. We've got a lot of people right now trying to teach this Bible because they want to pervert it. So they're quoting scripture, and you don't even know it's in the Bible. And they're picking it. A lot of movies are using Bible sentences mm-hmm. and statements. But I be the man's woman, and I'm going to tell you where it is. <laughs> That's what I be. I be the man's woman. I be the woman of God. I am his woman, and I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to, yes, I am. I'm going to reveal it, and he and I are going to keep chatting because he's a sugar honey man. <laughs> she can come in. She can walk. I was trying to come, but then you were, t- you were saying more stuff. Like, Hold on, I need to write. <laughs> Woo! Sugar honey man. My Jesus. My Jesus. I love him. And you know, you all, I told you last week, so I'm going to say it again. This is really good. And then I'll decide which one of them want to jump in. I'm going to drink the rest of my coffee. Mm. Jesus, you know you have all of these people walking around. Write this down so that you don't miss. And make sure you hit share, 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 and then tell your sharers to share to the sharers. Share to the 10th power. Share yeah. to the 10th power. Okay. Everywhere. Sure. But, you know, again,
hearing this whole thing, because I heard it too in the 90s about, you know, Jesus not being his real name. First of all, his name is whatever it was in heaven. So in heaven, he was called two things that we have recorded, three things. He was called lamb. He was called first begotten or son of God, and he was called Christ. I know you didn't know that, but he's Christ in eternity. He didn't just pick that name up when it came to the planet. Apparently, whatever its equivalent was, Revelation 12 says that that's what he was called. So that was his heavenly name. Then he comes to earth, and he's creator, and he's Lord God. And then he meets Abraham, okay? We can talk about Noah, but he meets Abraham. He said, but I'm the mighty God. I'm the almighty God. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're now, because now he's got to say, I know y'all got those little goblins running around here, but I'm the almighty God. Yeah, we got the little goblins. You know, pagans worship those goblins. Yeah. You know, those little underlings that change their name. And so they worship the goblins. And so he said, but I am almighty God. Walk before me and be perfect. Hallelujah. And then he comes all the way down and he goes to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And this is what he says to Isaac and Jacob. He said, I'm the God of your fathers. Because I'm going to do stuff that I told them I was going to do. And then he moves on down and goes through the God of the Father's thing, the God, and then he starts moving. When they're gone, he said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's me. And then he goes on from there, and he goes to Moses, and he says, they said, because, you know, we started Moses, but see, he had a whole other thing going on coming on down the line. And then he said, well, they're going to ask me who sent you. He said, tell them I am sent you. He said, by this name, nobody's known because I've sent nobody for me, but I'm sending you as me. So I am. What does that mean? Just say, I am. No matter what you need, I am it. And he said, I'm the one that's changing time, that's changing an era, that's changing leadership, changing government, and even changing the prince people of the planet. Israel is going to become the princely nation. So we go on, and he goes all the way down, and he goes down to David, and we find out the line of Judah. This man has a lot of names because he's done a lot of work. And he's named after. You realize that we name people after their achievements and attainments yes. all the time. Yes. Don't we? Yes. Let somebody do something great and it becomes the so-and-so this and the so-and-so that. So we're getting caught up on Jesus' name. Let's talk about it. So we get all the way down. And we go and we say, we will call his name Jesus. Gabriel said. The angel Gabriel said, we will call his name Jesus. So that means that Gabriel brought that from the archives and the annals, the vital statistics and birth certificates in heaven. Gabriel said it. So how can a mortal say that that's not what God called the son he incarnated? Wow. Right, right. So I'm talking to Jesus about that. <laughs> you want to rest? <laughs> okay, good. You sure? No, but go ahead. Okay. We have a show. So Jesus... <laughs> comes, and I'm talking to Jesus about it, and he said, by the name, you can tell, he said, by the way, you can tell them Jesus is my earth name to the Gentiles. I was done. 
test my earthness to the Gentiles. Because he said, I'll send to the Jews first and then the Greeks. So they can have, build a whole religion around names, or they can build a whole kingdom around the man, Christ Jesus, the Messiah of the world. Jesus was given to the Gentiles, which is why it was coming in that era. Because we already knew about Yeshua. He was with the Jews. I said, earth name? You said, yeah, earth name. That they would know that my salvation has gone out to all the earth. So you can, you can listen to people, do all of that. See, when people don't want to be bothered with the person, right. they manipulate the text. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. We're just going to mess with the text. But we don't want to deal with the person because you have to deal with the person's will and personality. Are you ready? You got a lot of blue over the shit. You got a lot of blue shit. This should be book. She's writing notes. Did you want me to just right. you done? Okay, let's get it right. Is it done? Almost. Almost. Are you all taking notes? You probably don't have to because you can go back and listen. Hallelujah. This is on YouTube? Yes, ma'am. So you can catch it on the YouTube and the Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) And then go to the Walmart. And then go to the Walmart (laughs) after you pass the Kmart. To get your eyes checked at the eye, okay. So we're morning. I'm excited today because I'm telling you, the Lord is giving me a whole new blast, a whole new lease on life. The man works on me day and night, and I just keep saying, man, boy, when he finished with me, I feel like Joe. When God gets through with me, I am going to come forth as gold. And trust me, it will not be symbolic gold. Well, or dust. <laughs> or gold dust. No dust. Do you remember the gold dust thing? She, picks it. she likes to wind me up like that. She gets a kick out of doing it. Every now and then I just go on and play along with it. She likes the gold dust day. And I thought, I told God I was so serious. I said, Jesus, do not. You are my honey. I love you dearly. Don't give me no dust. If you can't give me a boy on, keep your gold to yourself. I'm like, Oh, you did let me down. <laughs> I told you, I'm playing along. I'm playing along with it. I said, are you kidding me? I can't, do you know how long it's going to take me to scrape this dust off my arm and go and so, so hopefully it's yours and then got to see if it's going to be enough for a carrot that I can sell to pay for rent? I would like, can we start out with the compacted version? <laughs> okay, so though, seriously, like that kind of thing, is that like Moses and Pharaoh where God is working something real, but this is they're doing the, a counterfeit. Yeah, but even that's a cheap counterfeit. Well, yes, give me some bullion Jesus <laughs> and stuff. I need some bars. I need and I need that heaven gold that the that the earth. Listen, that kind of gold. You know when, when, when the heaven come and they come down there and you take it to the jeweler and he said I never saw this before. I said I know you didn't. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't. Well, where did this come? Honey, from, from, my, from honey, it's, it's coming. It comes from the vault of original purity. I told him, yes, I did. And I prayed. I was so, because I was young in God at the time. So, you know, I, I wasn't sure I could tell him that I didn't want that. 
<laughs> Don't give me that. If you're going to show up and try, do all those spectacular things, I need, it, I need some takeaways and not some spray falls. Right. Okay? Because you got to spray that off. Yeah, you take the shower. It's gone. What happened? Where is it? It sounded like your brain is with Okay? And you still can your drain is rich. And you still, oh, Lord. you still can't pay your bill. Drain can pay the rent and you got to leave. I'm like, no. And I'm so serious. I said, God, do me a favor. Don't do that stuff with me. I don't want to do, don't have my finger running blood because, you know, my blood be too thin anyhow. Don't do that, Jesus. I need you to show up as the almighty God. I want you to show me your good stuff. I mean, pull the top shelf. Now, that prime shelf stuff, I want that. That stuff down there, you can give it to them. If that's all it takes for them to get excited, then that's it. But I want you to understand, Paul's not going to praise you for that. Because I'm going to think you're messing with me. I'm going to think you're messing with me. You can't say nobody. Don't be messing with me. I said, I come to you before. I'm praying for rent check, and you give me gold dust. I'm like, no, no, no. And so I did. I told him not to do that. I said, all of those kind of things that they do, that stigmata stuff, don't do that. I don't need a stigmata. I need a real deal. I need. A, I, I went to a real savior who, who told me he's a real guy. I need you to pull out that treasury there. Don't send me to the stigmata. I don't want that. And you know what? He has never done it because I told him I don't want it. Because I told him I ain't going to tell nobody about it. <laughs> I didn't tell anybody I did. I said, I'm not telling anyone about it because I'm telling you, I want your best. And I don't think dust that I got to scrape off is your best. This one looks like some makeup bronzer. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no. How about this? Oh, give me a gold key that I, that I got to pull out my mouth and replace with ivory so I can go play my books. See, God, that's, those are jokes. That's a mockery. I ain't doing that. It's got to pull out. Mm. Now I got this brand new tooth that's shiny from heaven's gold. But guess what? I got, if I'm going to benefit from it, I got to walk it out and, and put a piece of ivory in it. Started with Jesus, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I, when I tell you, Jesus and I have those kind of conversations, it is so true. I said, hey, man, don't do that. Because I'm not able to bless you. See, I can't tell people. Well, how much are people you right now. that you didn't give me enough to pay my rent for all of that? You could have just gave me some cash. <laughs> you know? Gave me some cash. Put it in. I'll take the cash. At least we can work on that immediately. Yes. You know, you got to walk around and not, literally not take a shower to keep the moment. Do you oh. realize that after a while, that's not going to be pleasant? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> She did it. She actually, she likes to wind me up. So she knows that I'm going to kick in on it. You know, now, now the people know that to ask God for more. Yeah. Hey, you know what I'm saying? That's it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Don't be satisfied. And that's the truth. Don't be satisfied. No, don't. Don't let, listen, don't get the cheeks out of God. You know, that's like the dollar store. I ain't going there. I'm dollar going to, general. Uh, dollar general. I think the dust general. Oh. What you said today. But I think I want you to go back and, and, and touch on this concept of God is love. God is not set. God is not cupid. I just, don't y'all feel like we should go back? Yeah. That's just one more again. Love is genderless and sexless. Absolutely. Yes. I think we need to talk about that. You all yes. yes. And God does not need your gender or your sexuality. Um, 
I don't know. I think I said it. <laughs> oh, come on. I said it. This is when I miss Let's Just Talk Friday night. Oh, I do. I miss Let's Just Talk. Woo, baby. We would have, we would have, we would have. Oh, honey, we would have the show right there. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, it's kind of like the woman on Let's Just Talk. I'll come back to that. Mm-hmm. Who asked the question about anal sex. Well, if anal, if the sex in the anus, is it still a problem if your husband requires it or you're a woman? And I said, well, just because you are a female does not make it any less abominable to God. And the same curse he has on homosexual comes on those wives and those girlfriends. Right. So you're still cursed. Right. Because that's not what he made you for. He did not make you for that. And so, because she was like, well, what if your husband tells you that your husband got a problem and you need to find out who's filling that void when you're not around? Uh, yeah. Because if he's got to go that direction, then there is something wrong somewhere. Yes. Okay? Yes. Because, uh, first of all, y'all keep, the reason y'all can't enjoy your sex life because you, you're too caught up in godless sex and godless potions and aphrodisiacs and carrying on. But let me tell you something. If Jesus can't bless you to have a passionate marriage, you start this. If he can't bless you, then you ought not to be married. Mm. At least not blaming him. Because let me tell you something. If he can heal your body, he can heal your body. That's the word on my soul. Um, God is love. Yes. God is not sex. Yes. God is not stupid. And, you know, we're, we're coming up on this. This thing, because everything now is about Cupid. Y'all don't realize that all of your movies, where all of you have to have the date ups and the hookups and the Karen all, that is all your fertility rights to Cupid. Your sexual addiction is Cupid, baby. You need to understand he needs that so that he can take that back and put it in Satan's treasury. See, Satan's treasury needs souls, souls that are, that are defiled, souls that are corrupt, souls that are addicted, souls that are dependent. He cannot do anything with the pure soul or healed soul, which is why when you get free, you don't have any more of those issues. Because those issues don't serve his purpose. Now, God, on the other hand, needs a pure soul because it is what he created. He said, I created man upright in Ecclesiastes, but he's invented many schemes. (laughs) <laughs> well, we certainly have. We have been a lot of schemes, and all of them are schemes to corruption and schemes for destruction. So when you hear people say God is love, and you're looking at them in lousy attire, and they've been with God for a while, a lot of these female ministers and these female apostles, those are Cupid apostles yeah. and Cupid ministers, or Diana, because the Bible says submit yourself to God. Isn't that right? First, before you decide to cast out a devil. So you didn't get those devils cast out, and you put God's labels and titles on the same sexual issues you always have. Oh, my. See, as long as we keep talking about a contest of faith and a contest of doctrines, you don't have to do anything with your, with your ways. When we start talking about a, a person's preference him, or, or the divine preferences of God, that's something else. My Bible says that the greatest commandment is not love your neighbor. Right. The greatest commandment is not love ye one another. He didn't say, you know, understand the Bible didn't say it was the greatest. It said it was a new commandment. Oh. It didn't say greatest. It said, I give you a new commandment. Come on. Right. Right. So get the words right. Oh, but you got to get the words. 
So the greatest commandment, when the rich, rich young ruler asked Jesus, what was the greatest commandment? He said, not love your neighbor. He did not call that the greatest. He said, he didn't say, go love ye one another. He didn't say that. He said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your mind, your heart, your soul, and your strength. Now, if that's the case, and you're looking like another God, then you are loving Cupid with all your mind, all your heart, and all your strength, because that's your God. I'm sorry, because that's your God. No, no, the first day was better. I'm trying to be nice. I'm working on my... Don't take the (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You understand that I don't care how much they tell you they're standing for Jesus. They're standing for the Jesus that Cupid has put on. Wow. It's an imposter Jesus because God knows why women are stripped. He knows what happened. He knows why women are obsessed like that. He knows why they're tokens of trash. He knows what Satan is doing. Satan is cashing in on what he promised Eve. Oh. Give me some talk. Can I hear something? Woo. Yeah. See, when when you see women being denigrated like that, that is what he won in the context. When he won Adam's woman. He won the right to treat her any old kind of way, to do her any old kind of way. He won that in a contest. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he broke that contract and gave women the right and the power to be free, to be clean, to be covered. I was, like I said on Sunday, the little show I watched, a lot of those police shows, the woman looks like she can't even find the uniform. The man is all in uniform, and she looks like she's going to take care of him when it's all over. And you know what? Nothing that she does, she can be a better, they can write her as a better detective, it won't matter. You keep thinking, but ultimately men don't think women measure up, which is why they're always stripping them. I'm just saying. You're saying. I'm just saying. Nobody but Jesus. Nobody, nobody. Jesus Christ proves himself the maker and the owner because he is covering what he knows women are vulnerable to. He is covering them. He is breaking those covenants of death and destruction and fertility and abuse off of them. But you know what what the world has done now is that they've made it so intelligent. It is your will. It it is your right. And it's your will to walk around like that. It is not. Trust me, it's not your will or your right. It is somebody else who taught you how to do that, who was taught by somebody else, who was taught by somebody else, who was taught by someone else. You did not make up, wake up at four, four years old talking about, I'm going to walk around like this. You didn't do that. Somebody told you. This is how ladies look. No, the ladies have to wear the clothes. This, this is what you do. And then you went to high school, and somebody talked you into it there. You are talked into the liberty you think you have. Oh. Because they talked me into it. Down to somebody else. Yeah. You know, this was not your idea. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're, it's not even your liberty because it's not your idea. It's not your liberty. I have a friend who said that when she got saved, she was very ashamed mm-hmm. of how she used to dress before salvation. And she said, even when I was doing it and saying all the things that were my right, she said, deep within me, I still knew it was wrong. Mm-hmm. And you know why she knew it was wrong? Because those who were in Christ before the foundation mm-hmm. of the world have a conscience. Yeah. Even if they can't define that conscience, they, because they are his possession, because they have their origins in him, 
in the wheat not scared, they feel uncomfortable. And when the truth comes, they recognize it as they're out. That's why all of us may say, well, we did that, but as soon as Jesus came, we were done. I mean, there were times that I've done things, and I knew Jesus was, his spirit, the Holy Ghost was standing up large around me because I felt horrible. And I kept feeling, well, I feel this way. I mean, I thought I'm an adult woman and whatnot because you talk the culture's rhetoric. Oh, wow. You talk the rhetoric of those other deities. All of those deities need to make it. Look at their rituals. Don't take yes. sacrifices word, word for it. Look at their rituals. Look at Diana's rituals. Those people who are pagans, they have studied this, which is why they're marketing it. They're not marketing. You think they're marketing clothes. No, they're marketing the uniform of the God they're selling. That's a uniform. When you sit there, all of these women walking around in yoga pants, that's a uniform. Yeah. They've come into one form for the God that they chose. And their God is newness and nudity. Look it up. Don't take my word for it. So you've taken so many people's word for it, you can walk around and say, I don't know who to believe. You don't worry about it. Don't figure it out, out like that. It's not, it, your ear is not the only thing that has to believe. You need to look it up. Look up Diana. Look up Venus. Look up why she lost her arms. Hallelujah. Look up those uh, Isis and uh, Ishtar. Look up those deities. Look up Osiris. Look up Bacchus. Look up Dionysus. I can run them down to you. I've looked them up. That's how come I know them. Ooh. Look up Antony. It's the god of the homosexuals. Look it up. Ooh. Before you jump on a bandwagon, it's your soul. Theirs is already sold. They sold their souls to be able to hunt yours. Wow. Ezekiel 13 has God saying that these female prophets and priestesses of Baal hunt the souls of his people. You probably don't know this in the book, but it is. You sold it, and you do it, and you start your little girl. Oh, isn't that cute? You start your little girl because you have no idea that you are, you should, I, I belong to Jesus Christ. If you really believe that, then you would not look like his adversary. You wouldn't dress the way his adversary dresses. You wouldn't do it if you believe that. Because when, when you believe anything, you alter your life to that belief. And you shift your value system to that belief. So, yeah, you know, they talk to, talk about us all the time, you know, because we, we all don't play. If you're going to be a minister in my house, you are not going to uniform your ministry in some other God. We don't have a pagan deity uniforms here, not in my ministry. And I deal with it with my women because I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says that we entertain angels unaware. In order for you to have an effective church service, God's angels need to show up. You need to figure out which ones he's using and who's showing up. Because every time people get together, God has angels there to be the mediator, the intermediator of what they're sending up. The Holy Ghost is it. Let's just go even further. He's God. You really think that you're going to treat God better in heaven than you treat him here. First of all, he's not letting you go there because it's not your uniform that's his problem. It is what that uniform symbolizes and the deity that uniform promotes or projects. So you can say, well, when I get to heaven and I'll wear a white, white robe because everybody will, but that's not the way it's going to go. You, God knows very clearly when you get to heaven, you're going to be tired of the white robe. And you're going to do what Lucifer did. See, Lucifer had no temptation. 
did all he did of his own will. That's what God is saying. Nobody, he can't blame anybody right. for wanting to break out against his nation. He can't. So there was nobody doing it. But everybody else was doing it God's way. It happened. He found unhappiness in his soul. And you think that when you get there, you're going to feel good about dressing holy and modest. You don't believe in it. And see, because it's not what you do on your body that determines where you go. It's what your heart cogitates and generates and commands your body. So you have to recognize, I know a lot of y'all think that, well, you know, God's a loving God. Cupid does not have a ticket to heaven. His abode is hell. And he's a sex God, and you wear sex clothes, which means you're serving a sex God. And you're selling a sex God. Well, somebody has to help. This is not for the people who doesn't want to believe. God says, he, doesn't believe. he who does not believe, let him remain unbeliever. He who is defiled, let him remain defiled. He said, I just want my people to know they have a choice. I want the righteous to know you have a choice. And that what it means to do what people see. You cannot tell me you are the Christian woman walking around with yoga pants and skin-tight clothes except for your booty. Because it's, it's, boot, it's, well, it's about that. And who, who's interested in booty? Thank you. A man came up with that attire for you. Not, anyway, we're going on. But you cannot tell me that. Are you walking around with your, your skin-tight stuff giving your booty offering? And say that Jesus Christ told you to do it. You can't say that. And if you can't say Jesus Christ told you to do it, then you're not worshiping him in your body. And the Bible said we must worship God in our bodies as well as our hearts. So you cannot say that. So when I look at you all, I already know. So I have to try to figure out what pagan did, did to you promoting. And then I have to figure it doesn't matter. It's probably a network anyhow. They got a pantheon. So you probably got the whole pantheon of fertility deities. And most of those deities are the fertility. They're all about sexuality. You understand that the, the rise of, of booty wear is the rise of booty sex, yeah. male and female. So who you think came up with that? Because you free. You so free. Yeah. Well, what's the question? Look. <laughs>
quasi, 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 women standing up on God's altar in sexy wear, telling about they can preach the gospel and everybody can look past their sexy wear and see their heart belongs to Jesus Christ. You're out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Proverbs 7 says there is a a tire of a harlot. Harlots have an attire. But God ended up with a problem with all of Israel like the harlot there. And thus, he said, your daughters are wearing like now. Like now. Because the God can't change. The devil stays the same. And humanity is born the way it is. And it must be born again. So you all are you, you all are walking around saying, Well, my pastor's wife wears that your pastor's wife does not serve Jesus Christ, and I don't care what you say. Because she not only that, her conscience is fear, because she does yes. not even mm. feel shame. Because right. Satan, that thing on her is so tight, he took away her power of shame. The shame is what makes you feel guilty, and it's the guilt that makes you seek forgiveness. Huh. I'm sorry, you're not going to tell me that. Now, I, say, I don't bother the women when they do it. I'm like, well, I ain't going to mess with you because you know what? I'm only passing through. But as for me and my house, <laughs> <laughs> but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. People walk after, everybody walks after the name of their God, but we will walk after the name of the Lord forever. And I know a lot of you all, you didn't do this to frustrate God. You didn't do this to affront him. You did it because your leaders made you think it was okay because they made a decision to treat him this way and took away your option to not to. So they made it, they modeled their decision to treat God the way they do. But they, you, Following them, follow me as I follow her. You following them, which you were deprived of the option of saying yes or no. You did not know that God was in culture. You did not know that Jesus has an opinion about how we look in and out of church. You didn't know that. You didn't know that. And I'll tell you something. You know, because I've had people say, well, you know, um, Peter said that we ought not to have the hair braided and whatever, because, you know, I hear that. I hear that. And, but Peter was talking about the very thing that you're saying, those braided hair, that braided hair that they were talking about, that was what they did to get the priests in those temples to choose them. Mm. And he's saying, don't beautify yourself for sexual attraction or appeal. Wow. Because you, had to, you did all of that. Yeah. You did all of that because you, you did that because you wanted somebody to do it. But he was talking about really having your hair covered, thinking about, all, I mean, even now, when I see people with long hair, and we deal with people with long hair, come on, let's go. They, they move their hair, slap you in the face. I had a young girl on a plane. I said, honey, don't hit me with your hair again. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't know. Because every time I'm 23 or so, and she's a sweet girl. But, so, but I just, and every time I turn around, I was getting slapped with them blonde strings. I was like, baby. <laughs> I did. Oh, and she was so sweet. We ended up chatting afterwards. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> and she was like, oh, yes, I didn't even know. No, because that uh, that habitual stuff, you know. So there, there, there are a lot of practical reasons for things. And when he was talking about that, he said, don't let your physical adornment be your statement of your spirituality 
or humility in Jesus Christ. Whether whether it is the tight top or the, the stylish hair that to make you stand out, and you're saying your hair is what makes you makes you acceptable to Christ. Peter's saying none of that, none of that makes you acceptable. God does not deal with that external because you know why he doesn't care about the external. He cares about it in the sense that it draws people to his holiness and his righteousness, but he doesn't care because the body goes back to the death. God's concerned about the heart and the mind, the soul that thinks that's essential. We got one more because then we will give you something. She got some more stuff over here. Okay, I love how you talked about the fact that we are a species. Um, you talked oh, about the ecclesia. Yeah. You said it equals the species that was called the new creation. The church is not always defined by a building. So in the sense we are not a religion, we are a species. We are. Well, we are a holy nation. Peter says it. He ought to know he was trained by Jesus. Then Peter says, didn't he say that? He said we are a what? Chosen generation. I like that, you know, because we think, I'm just finding some, let's see if I can get it here, because, you know, one day I'm going to start figuring out how to stop this. I mean, how to stop this temporarily. But right now, I'm smart. But anyhow, First Peter 2.9, so it's, see we can find the Bible. Here's the Bible. Oh, I hate this baby. <laughs> you know, you have some that just don't work for you. Yeah. And it doesn't work. And when I'm writing, it really gets on your nerves because you try to remember a scripture and you don't know what translation you're remembering. Is this it? Is this it? Oh, yeah. First yeah, Peter 2, many of you all already have it. I don't want to skip it for it. You all have it, but I want, I want us to know it. Yeah. I got to get rid of that NIV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get rid of that. First, there we go. And then we have, oh, look at them helping me. Do you see? You see how much help I get from my team, guys? I know I'm supposed to look cool and carry on, but right now I'm just getting to a place. Light up. Yeah. Hey. Look at there. They have me on Bible Gateway, guys. And I usually use I usually use the Christian standard version. Okay, but you are a chosen race. Is that a species? Yes. You are a chosen race. Not a religion. Race. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. See, because uh, a lot of hey, you know, I like this Bible. I, I, I so far everything I've been um reading, at least ninety-five percent of it is amazing. And we're compatible with it. It's the Christian Standard Bible, so you all will know. So you can get something. The King James is going to give you that medieval style, but it's also going to give you that royal monarchical thing. This one here is not that far away. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. All of that speaks to species, genus, not religion. Is that good? You almost can just say, can we just, he said, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Christianity, the new birth, 
That's why we must be born again. That is what born again means. It changes our spiritual race. And, and it's important that you get this because children get their spirits from their fathers. The spirit of your father. So Jesus Christ switching out your natural father for his father's genes changes your race spiritually, which means that your color is not counted in heaven as your race, but your bloodline, because you get the blood from the dead. Y'all didn't catch that. See, hmm? we're in trouble. They know something. So God literally pulled in before time. He pulled in science. He pulled in reproduction. He pulled in uh, uh, what genetics. He pulled in DNA. The reason we have Jesus' DNA is because we have his blood in our spirit. He went to the root of what makes a person who they are. Your fathers, that is why Jesus could still be the son of God, though he had Mary's soul. The bloodline of Jesus Christ is in your spirit. So you're why? Because in the in the physiological sense, your blood comes from your spirit, passes to your soul, and your soul puts it into your body. Now I have a whole other teaching on that. Can't go too deeply, but you need to understand why being a Christian is the greatest thing and why this is so important. Why help me, God? that you recognize that Jesus' blood had to be the one that washes out the mortal blood. His blood is, in, his blood is immortal because his father's immortal. His blood is eternal because his father's blood is the first blood mankind ever got. You must wow. be born again. So when God gives you that new creation as opposed to Jesus coming to my heart, you get a new bloodline. He changes your bloodline from that of death to life. That's what he means when he says he passes from death to life. Your father's bloodline is mortal. It is why you die. But in, when you are born again from above, then your bloodline is eternal, which makes you a part of God's eternal race. And your spirit begins to bring life to your soul. And your soul, if you stay in the word, will bring your body online. But your soul is not going I mean your body's not going Your soul is going to go to the dust The two things the blood handles Because it said that the blood Come on, the blood is the life of all flesh And I've given you your blood On the altar to make atonement For your soul Your spirit's new blood atones your soul And that I'm going to shut up I got to shut up because that's a whole other training. But you need to recognize that there is a lot more to the gospel of Jesus Christ than you are a sinner. You need to repent and get saved. I just made you a Christian in action because you've already been a Christian in construction. You must be born again. 
If you aren't born again, then you need to get born again. We don't need a long, drawn-out prayer. Jesus, I need you to beget me again. I need my spirit to have the bloodline of the Godhead. That's what this is all about. Why do you think they want you out of the Bible? Why do you think that they don't want you to know Scripture? Why do you think they want you to be um, to hate Jesus Christ? Because they can't tell you how he did what he did and what it means to you now and forever. This man, now you see something. Science proves the new creation. So you're letting them banish you as a religion while they accept Muslims as a race. And they're saying, I don't have a problem with them because you know what? They say scripture they got. You know? But they say, we, this is not our religion, it's our nationality. Well, our nationality predates theirs. Come on. They're born from the ground, they're born from the earth. We're born from above. And I can go into this in another class, but not today. You want to say something? Because you know, I'm just, you, you, you can start on. <laughs> Are you ready? Okay. You got a lot of time. Well, we also need to talk about your webinar and okay. your live thing. Which part of this is uh, for yeah. the part of that? I don't book. want to run out of time. Okay. All right. When you said in Jesus you forsake all, not embrace all. <laughs> yeah. Because we really are working to turn this, uh, I say we, a lot of this doctrine out there, to turn this into mm-hmm. an inclusionist. Oh, yeah. Approach to our Christianity, come one, come all. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you come from. Well, no, because you need to come to Jesus, but you're supposed to leave all those other gods to mm-hmm. come to him and not add him to, or add, you know, as a Christian, adding those other things to you. Either way, we really do. We're just adding to and mm-hmm. adding and adding and adding. And it's okay, and Jesus loves them, and, and, and it doesn't matter, and you can't judge, and whatever, and so... We have taken that whole judge thing, I mean, way down the street, which was the ultimate end. There was yeah. no way we couldn't end up here. That's true. That is so true. <clears throat> I think that the part that gets me is that you can't just add anybody to your DNA. You just can't. That thing has to come through the body and through the blood. So when people want to get into Jesus Christ, they have to come through the blood. Through the blood to get into the body. Mm. And coming through the blood changes us. Our spiritual DNA changes to that of Jesus Christ. Isn't that power? Why you change? And people say you look different. Mm-hmm. You sound different. Yeah. You yep. actually change. And then I like how you said the true born-again saint can spot the imposter. But isn't yeah. that the truth? And you know what else? Sinners can spot imposters. I don't know. It's a lot of unfaithful. You know, yeah. faithful folks say, I might not be saved, and I could be waiting for a while, but I want you to know when I get saved, it won't be like that. I won't be doing what you're doing. I'm going to keep doing what you're doing as an unsaved person because when I come to God, yeah. I'm going to be for real. Well, when we watch those uh, talent shows mm-hmm. and those Christians go on singing that ungodly mess, the real saints, those judges will tell them, you need to sing in church. 
Now they could be singing Marvin Gaye. <laughs> and they're like, no. no. Or they tell them that they need to dirty themselves up. To dirty up to fit in more to that world. Now just think about clean. it. Just too clean. Yeah, you too clean. They got to, Satan needs to dirty. Yep. He's like the dog yep. that you give a bath to that goes out in the backyard and roll around in the dirt so that he can feel good. He can feel the pressure of the dirt on his foot. So y'all, you know, so he Satan got the dirty side of Satan because mm-hmm. yes. he can't stand the purity. And they Absolutely. tell you, they tell you, we gotta dirtify you, baby. We need to dirty you up so that you fit in, so that your purity does not affront us or affect us. Yes. We can't stand the light. We hate the light that's coming to you. So we need you to dim that ball back down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Get a little booze. Yes. Get a little sex. Get a little crime. Yes. Get a little vulgarity. Then you can come back. You need to be two two shades away from jumping off the cliff. But here's the thing, Ashley. They tell them that, and nobody says, well, you can't judge me. No. They don't say, you can't judge me. This is how I am. They say, okay, thank you. I'm going to get on the first dirty bound bus I can find. Dirty bound. They got one waiting for you. They got one in the back with the guy on the wall. They got somebody back there to filthy you up. And you know what? You go on and do. You know why? Because you feel that world acclaim and world fame and power is more important and more righteous than Jesus' purity and his holiness. So when they tell me, I mean, right now, you can look at all your stars and you have to say, okay, so I need to understand what your dirty process was because you had to be dirtified. Oh, yeah. To make oh, yeah. it. And they can do that. And yet, if I stand up there and talk about purity and cleanness and holiness, okay, I'm being judgmental. Oh, this is good. So you're, good. you're not judgmental, judging purity, judging cleanness, and judging holiness as defile, but I am. See, you, see y'all be too caught up in them Come people on. telling you stupid stuff. I'm like, okay, so you mean like the way y'all, okay, because I need to understand what we're talking about here. So your devil can say, go get dirty, but my God can't say, go get clean. Oh, I'm going to right here. But, boy, I know, but see, now you understand why I'm not. I'm going to trim my pencil. I need last one. I need it. Oh, no, here's my one. Look. There you go. Think about it, because you all have been, you bought into Satan saying, we're big, we're bad, we're in charge, we're the ones. You bought into that because you only see the darkness. You can't see the light. And then when you see the light, you, as far as you're concerned, well, I mean, come on. They, they own television. They own that. We owned it once, and we're taking it back. Come on. This is a real, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And what you have not met is the violent side of Jesus Christ. Oh. My Bible says he's a man of war. Yeah. That's what he said. He said he's a mighty warrior, the commander of the host. He led the first war that ever happened in creation. That was Jesus Christ. Because yeah. war didn't begin on earth. And still, and no, but, but why won't he do something? Because you all don't believe in him. He's like, I'm not going to win the world for people who hate me. Why would I do that? I'm not going to give you victory if you hate me. You hate me. You don't like me. And you're not going to like me. And you're going to sell me out as soon as you can. Because you don't know any better. And that is the difference. God moves with that person who takes him as he is on his terms fully. Want to talk about the other thing? Yes. Because she's she, 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 she,
You ready? Yes. Please look at that. Next Saturday, next 29th, 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, Dr. Price is doing a class on spiritual intervention. It is not free because it is school. It is school. And it is coming through Price University. We'll actually be here at Price University, but we yeah. are also opening it up. We're opening it up, Prophet Adia, yeah. to the oh, webinar yeah. audience as well. So you will be able to pay and watch from online yeah. and get your education on if you are not in Tulsa. Dr. Price, please tell them what they are going to learn from your spiritual intervention class. Well, and why it's more than just praying in tongues. And much more. Um, you know, the principles of the spirit realm have kind of got muddied with the church. Case in point, you need God to act, or you need God to move, or you need his intervention, and you don't know how to move him. Now, we've got elements. Well, you should pay tithes. You should offer seed. You should do that. But the Bible is full of times that God just didn't care. He took the seed and didn't care. Many of us today are struggling. Many people are struggling today because they cannot get God to move in their life. They can't even get him to talk. Like, he won't even speak. He acts as if he doesn't even know you're talking to him. You know, sometimes you want to say to Jesus, you can't help but hear me, so I know you're here. So why are you ignoring me? So we're going to talk about the principles of divine intervention. We're going to talk about the being of divine intervention. We're going to talk about the strategies and what it takes to get God moving. We're going to talk about the posture that you should be in so that God will move. Some of you all, your house is so full of filth and stuff. God doesn't want, now it's probably beautiful, but really decorated. You got African masks, you got uh, Egyptian snakes, you got all of this kind of uh, pagan paraphernalia, and you want God to come in and answer you because you don't know any better, no, because people told you it didn't matter. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he will leave you alone and let you run things your way because he said, I know their day is coming. Mm. There's a scripture that says, he said because he knows their day is coming, so he was sitting in the and the heavens last. So we got to take the laugh off your life. So we want to talk about that. We want to talk about how to pray, the ways to pray. And we want to talk about how to break your covenant with the forces that are terrifying you and agonizing you. Because mm. everything in, in the laws, everything yes. in God's realm is about a covenant, a code, or a promise. So it's, it's going to be very interesting. We're going to do a little bit of um, a lot of role play. We're going to talk, we're going to literally work through what it takes. When I, there are times that God will say to me, this is coming on you. Not often. This is way, way back now. And I'm past all of that. That is work. But there are times he's going to tell you what's coming. He's going to tell you, I'll be, I'll be with you. Thank <laughs> you. Ooh, that's a hang tough word, baby. Okay, and, and I'll be with you through it all, and at the end, I'll bring you out. And then there are other times that he will tell you, you need to push back on this. This is trying to enter you. How do you know the difference? You know, when we teach the prophecy, we teach the 14 voices that you need to know so that you understand whether or not you're listening to God, you listen to his adversary. You need to understand whether it's the will of God for you to go through something. And because you've been told, especially if you were of faith, you've been told it's never God's will for you to go through. Are you kidding me? Woe to the earth. For offenses must come. 
in the world. You're going to have tribulation. Cheer up. Get happy. I've overcome the world. I mean, what were those scriptures in there for? And we're going to talk about the importance of the scriptures in your life and existence. We mentioned last week about the spiritual protocol. We'll touch on a little bit of the spiritual protocolatic class in that. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about some of these things. And even though it's only going to be three hours, I'm telling you, you're, you're going to want me to do a lot more. But we're going to lay this thing out to the glory of God the Father and give you power in Christ and help you bring your power back. If you are a church, make sure your members are listening. If you are a prophet, apostle, whatever, you need to make sure because this thing, this is the kind of stuff you need. You need this because right now your identity in Jesus Christ is shattered. And you can't find yourself in your faith. And you can't find your faith in yourself. And all of this has to do with us veering off course. We took a detour, and we've not been able to find the next exit or the U-turn. This is going to be a U-turn webinar for you. We're going to give you a U-turn so you can get back on the road to Jesus Christ, the highway of holiness. You know, we don't realize the Bible said God had a highway of holiness which we haven't been on. And so, and, you, and so I want you to do that. Again, she'll give you the timing again, but you can go to my website, drpaulaaprice.com. I'm going to have monthly webinars on something. If you register, uh, they can go directly to Eventbrite as well, eventbrite.com. They just even look up spiritual intervention. They're going to find your class right there. Okay, write it down. Spiritual intervention. And it's also set up on your Facebook mm-hmm. as an event as well, so you can also go there if you're on social media. See, you can find it anywhere. And remember, Jesus says that it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Now, if we can take that as a label, put it on your forehead, put it on your mirror, and that's fine. Or you can join me Saturday and find out why he said that and what it means to you today. Not just as a Christian, as a human. As a human. There are just universal laws, and there's a uniform method of doing things that is just imposed upon humanity because we're mortal. Oh, time's running out. It starts at 3 p.m. Saturday. 29th. Yeah, not this week, because this week I'm going to do something else. And when, if you found that, that you caught my fire, if you caught my fire, if you caught it, if I spoke to you today, hey, so received. Yes, so received. Yes, by the time for us to take up an offering for today, you need to sow a seed today. You can do so by doing Cash App. It's the, the Cash App, you know, they use the dollar sign, Dr. Paula Price. You can also do PayPal, paypal.me slash Dr. Paula Price. Right. Um, so you can do, you can show PayPal to Dr. Price, or you can do text to give right now, 918-608-1378, 918-608-1378. Sow your seed today. I know that you've been blessed by this. We've all been blessed by this. Take a moment right now. Take a moment, sow a seed. Cash app, it's the dollar sign, Dr. Paul Price. Or you can PayPal, Dr. Paul Price, and give us, give us that seed or text to give, 918-608-1378. And I want to say to those of you who have been sowing, 
thank you. And let me pray, because I like to pray on soul seeds. When you show to me, I want to pray right now, because I understand what that means. And I'm going now into the intervention. Father God, in the name of Jesus, uh, I bless everybody who has sown seeds to my, to my ministry, whether it's taking it on with Paula Price or the Paula Price Show. God, or, or just because you move on, I bless you today. I come against every work of darkness that would impede your harvest. I send prosperity into your life this month. For the, over the next 30 to 40 days, I release your harvest. I release your breakthrough. I release prosperity. I release your... Push forward your blessing. Yeah. I push forward your ministry. I push forward your business. I break every yoke of bondage that has been holding you hostage to poverty. I remand the spirit of poverty and the spirit of death yeah. and life over your life to the abyss in Jesus' name. In their place, I station success. I station yeah. ability. Yeah. I station opportunity. And I bless God for who you are. May your prayers be answered. I, may, I put every work of darkness, everything that Satan has spoken to you over your work, every curse, I nullify it. And I disband the darkness that's trying to shut you down. I come as a superseding force. And I nullify every contract and every word prophecy and every curse that's been sent against you. I nullify your vote in Jesus' name. I call you prosperous. I rename you prosperous. I rename you prosperous because God said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you will prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I speak to your soul, and I commission the angels that have guarded you through your life to begin to put your soul in order that you may enjoy the prosperity of the Almighty that's in your covenant. I bless you. I thank you. And more importantly, I bless you and bring you closer to my family. So let your wealth come through. Let your wealth come through. Let your wealth come through. I shift wealth. Yeah, I shift yeah. wealth. It shall no longer flee you, but it will chase you down and absorb you in Jesus' name. Let it be so. Amen and amen. Whoa. Is it me or is it going? Yes. <laughs> Sunday, Congregation of the Mighty. Yes. Scripture Organic. Culturally unmodified Christianity. We're talking about the soul of the soul cool Christian. I have been on a journey for soul healing, soul cleansing, soul empowering, and soul transforming. You don't want to miss it. Sunday, 10 a.m., 11 o'clock, and we certainly don't want to miss Prophet Adia. Sunday school. Sunday school. And her numbers are, I didn't realize, like 700, 400, 500 people want to go to Sunday school. She's there at 8 a.m. Am I doing it right? Yes. I love you guys. Thank you for being with me today. I've enjoyed our visit. God bless you.